Good evening. It would be great if you could keep Joshua 23 open in front of you. Let me pray as we look at this together. Our loving Heavenly Father, please would you quiet our hearts before you as we come to your word. Lord, would you reveal your glory through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder what you would say if you had to pass on all of your life's knowledge and hopefully wisdom from your life to someone else. Here's everything I've learned in my life. Now listen. What would you say? It's quite common for authors and celebrities and footballers to publish articles along the lines of 10 things I wish I knew when I was younger or five things I wish I could have told myself when I was 20 or or 15. And what we get in the passage in Joshua 23 tonight is Joshua passing on his life's wisdom to the Israelites in a speech to their leaders. And there are just two main things that Joshua wants to tell the people in this speech. Two old commands. Love the Lord your God and obey him. Love the Lord, obey the Lord. That's what Joshua wants his people to know. And he's announcing these old truths one more time before he dies. And what I want us to see from Joshua 23 is what love and obedience to the Lord involves and reasons from this passage as to why we should love and obey him. So firstly then, love and obey the Lord. Love and obey the Lord. This speech comes at a time when the Israelites are at rest. And we see that down in verse 1. After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel a rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials. So most of the land they were going to conquer has been conquered. The cities and towns have been divided up among the people, and there's peace between the tribes. They're enjoying a good period of stability. And it's into that situation that Joshua gathers the leaders of Israel and gives this speech. And his main point, as I've said, is that the people should love the Lord and obey the Lord. And we see that in verse 6 and verse 11. So have a look down at those verses. Verse 6. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. And then verse 11. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. The be careful commands are to love the Lord and obey his laws. The laws from Moses came from God. So they are in fact God's laws. And Joshua explains very clearly what it means to love and obey the Lord. Verse 6 already showed us a bit of that. Love and obey the Lord without turning to the right or to the left. Now sometimes, 
we can turn aside from God's laws without realizing it. It seems like an obvious thing. Obey the Lord. Okay? I will obey the Lord. But if we don't know what that involves, we can head off course. It's like the steering in your car. We've had to have our wheel alignment adjusted twice recently because when the steering wheel was center, the wheels were going to the left. So it looks like you're going forward and the steering wheel's forward, but if you think you're going forward, you're actually going left. Now for the Israelites at the time, obeying the law meant obeying everything that was written in the law. They know that. But some specific points had to be repeated to them, otherwise they might start turning to the right or to the left. And we see one of those things, the main thing in verse 7. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have until now. Despite how well the Israelites are doing, and they are doing really well at this point, there are some nations that still remain among them. Some of the, the people they were meant to conquer haven't been fully conquered and have stuck around. They've brought their false gods with them. Remember the Gibeonites and their deception from a few weeks ago as an example. And the warning about other gods was already around before the time of Joshua. God knew that this was going to be a particular temptation to the people. So if you want to flick back in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 12, uh, we read there in Deuteronomy 12 verse 29. But when you have driven them out and settled in their land, and after they have been destroyed before you, be careful not to be ensnared by inquiring about their gods, saying, how do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshipping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. And then back in Joshua 23 now, you can see how Joshua is not wanting the people to forget this. This is such an important thing to Israel's leaders to pass on. So Joshua 23 verse 12. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead... They will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. And then head down to verse 16. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. Getting involved with other nations was a big no-go area for the Israelites. Don't, don't do that, don't go there. There was a strong temptation for them to abandon the Lord their God, get so associated with these other nations that it would start to lead them to worship their gods. 
And if they start worshipping the other nation's gods, then clearly they're not properly loving and obeying the one true God. God's demanding total obedience from his people. This is such a big deal because it goes against the, the very first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Having God as number one in our lives is the foundation to our love of and obedience to him. If, if obedience to that first commandment goes, then the rest are soon going to fall away too. So loving and obeying God means keeping him first over every single area of our lives. If the warning to the Israelites is not to associate with other nations, not to worship their gods, not to invoke the names of their gods, not to serve them, then to worship the one true God, practically loving God, means associating with him, serving him, worshipping him, doing things in his name. And there are always going to be areas in our lives where we're tempted uh, to associate with, that we're tempted to go along with, that are going to be particular to us. They're going to start leading us away from worshipping the one true God. The world says we don't need God. Come and live your life. Following that means that we'll soon be bowing down to cultural gods. Bowing down, at least in our hearts. That could be the God of being a good parent. The God of financial security. The God of being liked. And none of those are, are wrong in and of themselves. But if they're number one in our lives, then we're going to start sacrificing ourselves, our time, and our efforts for them rather than for God. And God will then slowly start moving down the pecking order in our hearts. For example, if, if being liked and accepted is the God that we worship, the cultural God we worship, will present a tough exterior so that people can't see our insecurities or if we're in a group situation we'll, we'll not say anything because it feels safer to say nothing than say the wrong thing or we'll think so hard about the right thing to say or saying a good joke only to muck it up and then still think about how we got it wrong many months later and we definitely can't show that we're afraid of anything or anyone that's weakness well, if that's commanding how we live, then we're bowing down to the, to the God of our reputation. We're, we're loving and obeying that God. But if we're fully loving and obeying the God of the Bible, then we'll be free to be open with each other. We'll be free to relate to one another without worrying about ourselves. And that sounds really freeing to me. Any slight movement to the left or to the right of obeying God wholeheartedly with everything that we have will lead us away from him. Like the wheels on our car, we need to constantly come back to God and get our hearts readjusted back in line 
with loving and obeying God. So why then should we love and obey the Lord? There are two reasons given in Joshua 23. Love and obey the Lord because of what he does and love and obey the Lord because of what he will do. So reason number one, love and obey the Lord because of what he does. As we look over this speech from Joshua, we see that God has done everything for the Israelites. Cast your eyes back to verse two. Joshua summons everyone and he says to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. That phrase, the Lord your God, appears 13 times in this speech, in this chapter. Everything that Moses has done in the past, everything that Joshua has done more recently, everything that the Israelites have achieved is because of the Lord their God. He is the one that dried up the river Jordan. He is the one that cast the nations out. He is the one that fought for them. He is the one that brought them here. There's no way the Israelites could be where they are at this point without the Lord. And the people know that. Verse 3 says they've seen everything the Lord has done. They know it was the Lord who fought for them. God's done it all. And if he's fought for them in the past, they can be confident that he's going to fight for them in the future. Let's look at verse 4. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered, between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push out Uh, Push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you. And you will take possession of their land. As the Lord your God promised you. There are still a few nations still to, to conquer in their way. And Joshua wants the people to know, to be reminded, that God is going to drive them out. He's going to fulfill his promises. Just as he has done before. And the people can trust God's promises to them because he's seen, they've seen what he's done to, uh, for them in the past. And there's another reminder for them in verse 9. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. God is faithful to his promises to his people. The Israelites are successful in their conquests because God is fighting for them, because God is with them. Their success isn't because of their strength. It's because of the Lord's strength. And it should be totally clear to the Israelites that God has fought for them and that he is with them. They've seen him at work. So in response, they need to listen to Joshua's words of wisdom here. And Joshua is essentially repeating to the people what God told him back in chapter 1. Be very strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord your God will be with you. He has earned them the victory. The Israelites haven't done anything to deserve this. 
It's all by God's grace to them and they get to take part. So why should they love and obey the Lord? Because of all that he does for them, undeservedly. And as the people reflect in this speech on on what God has done for them, of all the ways that he's been with them and worked for them, the right response is to love and obey him. Love and obey the Lord. He's given them rest from their enemies. He's driven out great nations. He's driven out powerful nations. And he has fought for them. And he continues to do so. God is active and alive and working for his people. And that should be our reaction as well. As we think about the ways that God has worked in our lives, the way that God has been good to us, and the ways that we've seen what he's done, then we should absolutely love him and obey him in response because all that goodness is totally undeserved. And of all the good there is in life, we see the greatest undeserved goodness to us at the cross of the Lord Jesus. As we picture Jesus hanging there, his body broken for you. There's no way that we can say that God has never done anything good for us. The Israelites didn't deserve God fighting for them. And we certainly don't deserve Jesus dying for us and giving us joy-filled, eternal life, defeating death. So we too, from a heart of thankfulness, should absolutely love and obey the Lord because of what he does. As we go through life, God is for you. God is with you. In the ups and the downs and the routine, we're not alone. Jesus hasn't died, risen and left us to it. Like, right, I've done my bit. Now over to you. Good luck, see you when you die. That's not how it works. God's spirit is with you and he is working in you. And even as we think about how God's been good to us in the past, we can still sometimes think that the future depends on me. God was with me in the past, but, but the future's up to me. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is active. God is alive. God is, God is working. He's rescuing people. He's making us more like him. He's putting us in situations where we can display his glory to people more. And in a world which is so confused about meaning, where we crave satisfaction and purpose and status and look for it in all the wrong places, and all the while descend into ever more violent language between people who disagree with each other. God is still in the business of filling you with joy and peace. I think our lives, I think my life, would be a lot more peaceful if we reminded ourselves that every day God is for you. He is with us. He is working in you. We'd be a lot bolder in evangelism. 
would have more confidence to encourage our friends and our family in their walk with the Lord. We don't have to face the world alone. Now sometimes we can't see what God is doing in our lives at the moment. It's easier to see looking back. So look back and keep looking back all the way to the cross. That's where victory over death was won. That's where we can know that God is with us every day to give us daily grace, daily strength, daily assurance of his love for us. That's all ours because God is with us just as he promises us. That is what God does. And that is what he is still doing. So from a heart of thankfulness for his grace and love towards us, we too should be very careful to love and obey the Lord. So that's reason number one, love and obey the Lord because of what he does. Reason number two, love and obey the Lord because of what he will do. Let's take a look at verse 14. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. As we've seen, one of the themes in Joshua is God keeping his promises to his people. Here's another reminder. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. If the people continue to love and obey God, then he'll continue to fight for them. They'll keep going. That's their encouragement. That's some good news for them. They've seen all that God's done and he'll continue to do that. He'll continue to be with them. He'll continue to fight for them. God keeps his promises. But God also keeps his promised warnings. The purpose of warnings in the Bible is to turn us back to the Lord. Now a warning can be really good if it stops us from doing the wrong thing. And it can even get us to do the right thing. So every day I hear, don't stand in front of the yellow line at the platform. Why? Because if you step over it, there's a greater chance you could fall and get hit by a train. So okay, I'm going to stand behind the yellow line. Now we've seen a few of the warnings in this passage already. And verse 15 and 16 summarize it. So have a look there with me. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. What a way to end a speech, Joshua. These are severe warnings to the Israelites. Sadly, these warnings are not without good reason. We only have to turn a couple of pages from from Joshua to Judges chapter 2 verse 10 to read that after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up 
who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Joshua's message wasn't passed on. It wasn't continued. Even so, God, God was patient with his people. And things began to look good again. The King David was the standout high point for the Israelites over the next few hundred years. But even then, widespread rejection of God grew and grew and grew. And then in 2 Kings 25, the, the Babylonian Empire come and destroy Jerusalem and take the people away into exile. And they perish from the land. These warnings weren't listened to and they became true. God punished his people and they perished. God's goodness to his people isn't something that we can assume. God's done everything for the Israelites and they've seen everything he's done but if they want to turn away and chuck that all back in his face then God can absolutely take that away. They can't live how they like and expect God to bless them if they're disobeying him. And in, in the same way, if, if we look at the cross, if we look at all that Jesus has done for us, see his grace and reject that, then God doesn't owe us life and forgiveness. God warns us because he knows what we're like. We're, we're prone to wander away and associate and worship false gods. We're bad. As much as we try and tell ourselves we're good people who sometimes make mistakes, the Bible is much more honest with us. Culture says, I'm a good person and I deserve good things to happen to me. The Bible says, we're bad. God's warnings are for me. And we deserve his judgment. Yeah, the amazing news of the gospel is that all of God's judgment was poured out onto the Lord Jesus at the cross. So when God looks at you and me, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us his mercy and lavishes grace upon grace upon grace upon us. And that is a promise he will keep. The innocent Lord Jesus was punished so that you and I don't have to be. That's what should drive us to our knees in thankfulness and get us to love and obey the Lord. So if the warnings in the Bible get us to turn back to Jesus, to turn back to the Lord, to love and obey him, then they've done their job. God will keep his promises either in love or in judgment. So let's make sure that we love and obey him. Perhaps we all need to take some time in prayer to ask that God would readjust our hearts back in line with, with loving and obeying him properly. Now it's clear why Joshua was given this speech. Surely there's no greater wisdom in life to pass on than this. Love and obey 
the Lord. Let me pray. After I've prayed, uh, we're going to sing two songs to close, but let me pray now. Lord God, thank you for your words in the Bible. Thank you for this speech of Joshua. And please, would we heed that warning? Would we not associate with false gods? Would we keep you as number one in our lives and not to turn from the right or to the left? Lord, we're sorry for when we have done that. Please forgive us. Please would you readjust our hearts back to you and keep us following you properly and truly. As we leave, help us to love you and to obey you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.